This is Johnny Silva. I'm the pastor at Dilly First United Methodist Church, and this is our podcast. I wanted to thank you for joining us today. I hope this inspires you. I hope it builds your faith, and I hope it gives you perspective to see God moving in your life. Enjoy the message. I was able to take a little bit of time off on Monday and join my son Jackson um, at his school because he was having uh, a performance. They called it like a coffee performance thing. Um, I'm not sure if y'all know this, but I don't drink any type of caffeine, so that includes coffee. I drink decaf uh, because that's all I can handle, but, um, but so I wasn't there for the coffee. In other words, I was there uh, for my son. And it was a performance about, and it was only like 15 minutes long, maybe at that, but it was a performance about ancient Greece. And there was some, uh, a, a song, at least one song, that was taken from uh, the, the musical or the movie Greece. And so that was pretty cool, but they were dressed up in togas and everything. So they were kind of uh, helping us go back to that place and here are some things about um, ancient Greece that we might want to know, that sort of stuff. But before the performance started, there was um, an opportunity for each student to introduce who came to see them in this performance. And so I was, he was standing right next to me, Jackson was right next to me, and when he got past the microphone, he said, I'm very happy that I have today with me my dad, Johnny, my mom, Laura, and my grandma, Connie. And he was just beaming ear to ear. He was so excited because mom and grandma and most of the time grandpa get to see him and all this sort of stuff, but I was able to be there with them and he was super excited and I was excited to be there too. And he had been rehearsing over and over all of his lines and all that sort of stuff. So he was super excited because he wanted me to see him and he was proud of me. And I was like, man, you don't even know how proud I am of you. <laughs> but it was such a great thing. And I came to realize that my sons, Jackson and Knox, they really don't care much about what I do during the day for work or what I do for a living at all. They don't really care about what my grade point average was in high school or in college or in graduate school. They don't care about what I've accomplished in my career or what contacts or impacts I've made along the way. And if you know who Shania Twain is, that was kind of back whenever I was in high school, but um, she says, that don't impress me much. And I guess that's kind of what I feel from them. They don't really care about all of that stuff. What they do care about for them, it's all about how I am to them as a dad. They don't care about necessarily how I, what I do for a living and how, how I've either done really well or not done really well. They don't care about all of that. that. All they care about is how I am as a dad. And what they care about, what they really care about is that I'm there, that I'm present, and that I show them that I care for them and I love them, and that we can have fun together and make each other laugh. And that means more to them than anything I could ever do. So why is it then? Why is it that the world does not operate in this way? We are all too familiar with 
the minute we leave our our family and our loved ones and we're out of the door we immediately resume our spot in that proverbial rat race we simply pick up where we left off in this constant competition and comparison where we are our resume and we have already accomplished what we've done our schooling our training our experience and how we might live into our potential are the basis on which we are judged and our worth is measured. In this harsh reality in which we live, we must continuously sell ourselves and aim to outmaneuver our competitors in order that we might get ahead or even get the job in the first place. But with that said, I can't think about this and not get exhausted. It's, it is so exhausting. You constantly have to, to sell yourself. You constantly have to be striving for more, for better. It is exhausting. And we are more than what we haven't, have or haven't done. We are more than what we can and can't do. We are more than our accomplishments. We are more than our resume. And if somehow we have allowed ourselves to be deceived and duped into thinking that this is all that we really are, we are selling ourselves short. And more importantly, we're selling God short. Because by the grace of God, we are able and we were created for more than this. So today, we pick up where we left off last week. And we're talking about Jesus and, and we're filling in the blank. And hopefully we come to realize that Jesus is more than enough. But today we talk about our abilities. And we do so by looking at Philippians and also 1 John. So by looking at Paul's letter to Philippi, it might help us on our journey back to an understanding where Christ is more than enough. So of the seven undisputed letters of Paul, Philippians ranks the fifth, probably because it's shorter. It's one of the shorter ones, but it is important. And we do want to point to this because it does contain some of Paul's personal um, information about his pre-Christian life and also his reflections on the transforming power of Christ's death and resurrection in his life. So Philippians is actually a letter about joy. And writing from prison, Paul describes the joys of following Christ and preserving for the gospel and the secret to being content in any situation. And we know from this letter that the Philippians were facing many trials and hardships of their own, just like he was. And not only that, but the Apostle Paul wrote this letter to the Philippians to thank them for a financial gift that they, he had received through a man named, I'm going to say this I'm probably wrong, but that's okay, um, Epaphroditus. And basically Paul is saying, I've received your gift and I appreciate you, Philippians. And because he was probably writing from prison, or under house arrest in Rome, he wants to communicate 
with the Philippians, and he does so in the only way he knows how, which is through a letter. But basically, he wants them to know, I received this, I thank you, and I'm doing okay. In our passage today, found in chapter 3, Paul makes an abrupt transition from speaking of joy and transitioning into a warning to watch out for the missionaries that are leading others astray and skewing the Christian theology. As opposed to these dogs, as they were referred to, he refers to them in this way, and Paul says, I treat things differently. My theology is different because I approach things differently because I am different. And it's a reminder also to hold fast to the truth that is only found in Jesus Christ. So today we start with Philippians chapter 3, verse 4. Even though I, too, have reason for confidence in the flesh, if anyone else has reason to be confident in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day, a member of the people of the Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew born of Hebrews, as to the law, oh, as to the law, sorry, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. Yet, yet, whatever gains I had, these I have come to regard as loss because of Christ. More than that, I regard everything as loss because of the surpassing value of know knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things, and I regard them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but one that comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from the God based on faith. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the sharing of his suffering by becoming like him in his death if somehow I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained this, or have already reached the goal, but I press on to make it my own, because Christ Jesus has made me his own. So that's a lot. And whenever Paul is writing, and we know that this is not just something attributed to Paul, but this is actually Paul writing, we have to unpack it because he says so much in such a few amount of words, and yet it's sometimes kind of hard to see where he's coming from. So here we see Paul distinguishing and um, differentiating himself from his rival missionaries, as was talked about before. Again, there are other missionaries trying to do the same thing that he is doing, but it is a little bit skewed theology, and it doesn't really get to the heart of the matter, and it's kind of stretches the truth just a little bit in order that they might benefit. But that's not the way he sees it. So he's trying to differentiate himself from them. And if anyone has cause to boast, it will be Paul. Because if people are their resume, he has an excellent resume. 
And he basically is saying, all right, all right. <coughs> if y'all want to play this game, there's no contest. I would win hands down. I'm a Jew of all the Jews, right? I am of the, of the right tribe. I am everything that needed to be done on earth to say, yes, I am perfect and blameless according to the law. But this is not how Paul operates anymore. Because of Christ, he sees that he and we were made for so much more than this. This type of boasting now counts as nothing because of Christ. For our business-minded brothers and sisters out there, Paul once considered all of this as profit, again, living by the resume, if you will, as profit or gain, where a person is their balance sheet, again, or their resume, and he now regards all of that as loss. Only his master, that is Christ, counts as gain. So Paul's hope is only in the righteousness that comes from God through faith in Christ's death and resurrection. So another way of saying this is that there is nothing that we can do, no number of notable connections or amount of accumulated wealth, no impressive title or influence that will ever measure up and ever be enough. And this is how the world measures us. This is how we are seen as if we have value or worth. But that's not the way that God sees us. For God, this is in this game of life, which he created in the first place, it plays by completely different rules than we are currently operating. And the goal of the game is drastically different than we are led to believe. The only way that anyone could ever be enough is not based on them. Rather, it's based on what God has done in, with, and through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And if God is the ultimate judge anyway, shouldn't we be playing by His rules? Going after His goal? So let's go a little bit further and dig a little bit deeper into this as we look at 1 John Chapter 4, verses 16 through 19. And it reads as follows. So we have known and believe the love that God has for us. God is love. I'm going to repeat that part again. God is love. And those who abide in love abide in God. And God abides in them. Love is has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness on that day of judgment, because as he is, so we are in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, for fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not reached perfection in love. We love because he first loved us. I'm going to repeat that last line again. We love, we have the capacity and the ability to love because he first loves and loved us. So our creator is also our judge. But God doesn't see you, what you've accomplished or what you haven't. 
God doesn't see you for, for what you're able or not able to do. God doesn't see you and your influence or your wealth. God doesn't see how many times you've succeeded and how many times you've failed. The only thing that God sees when he looks at you is a righteousness of Christ. When you believe in Jesus and abide in God, you are now seen as perfect and blameless. Not because you are, but you're seen that way. Because when God looks at you, God sees Jesus. It's as though God sees you through the Jesus lens. God doesn't see you, really. He only is looking at you and seeing Jesus. So everything good about Jesus, that's what God sees in you. And you, because of this, have been freed for joyful obedience. You have been freed to live the life for which you have been created. You are free to see yourself as more than just your balance sheet or your resume. You are a child of God and made perfect in love. You are now free to love because of this, because God first loved you. Now, like I said before, Jackson and Knox, my sons that I love so much, they really don't care about how good or bad I am at any particular job. They don't care about how many times I've succeeded or how many times I've failed. They don't care about how I know or who I know or how much I know or how much influence I have. They see me as God sees me. They see me through the eyes of love. All they care about is if I will be there for them when they need me. Will I love them and I, will I care for them? Will I have fun as we do life together? And if there's cake and ice cream and maybe Chuck E. Cheese too, well then that's just gravy, right? That's awesome. But the thing is, we have certain abilities that we have been given. We have been blessed in a particular way. And according to the, to the world, that might not seem like that much at all. But you have been given something. God has blessed you in a particular way. God has given you something. And blessed you in a particular way. God has given each and every one of us something special. That by the world standards doesn't seem like it's very special at all. But because God first loved you. Because God first gave your abilities to you. You don't have to look at things. You don't have to hear what the world is saying to us about how good or how not good we are about what we are able and what not able to do. But God is saying, I've given this to you. I want you to do something with it that glorifies me. I want you to show other people love. I want you to be free to love other people in a way that only you can because I first loved you. You are more special than you think. You are more special than the world tells you that you really are. You are so much more. 
So take a deep breath. And breathe in the very presence of God. Not just any God, but our God, our living God. We can now take a break from that rat race of comparison and competition where we are judged solely on the basis of our resume. We can now finally find that rest that we've been searching for. We can now find worth in much more than we've been told that we are. And we've been craving to find that rest and finally abide in God. And we are free to do that. Where we are with this knowledge that God is who God is and we are who we are because of God, that's a freeing situation. The game has changed. The goal has changed. It's no longer what the world tells us it is. It's what God reminds us that he created it to be, who we created us to be. And because of that, we are capable of much more. We are worth much more. And we are loved much more than we could have ever imagined. Now, it is up to us to do something with what God has given us. And may we use it to expand God's kingdom here on earth. May we use it to glorify him. And may we use it to help us be reminded that we are dependent on him. And because of him, and because of his love, we are something new. We are something special. We are children of God. And that makes all the difference in this world. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. There's a couple of things I'd love for you to do. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. And please share this message with friends and family to help us spread the gospel message. And thanks again for joining us on Dilly First United Methodist Church podcast. Blessings.